Your ears do not deceive you. You have just entered the Cryptid Creator Corner brought to you by your friends at Comic Book Yeti. So without further ado, let's get on to the interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner. I'm Byron O'Neill, your host for today's episode, and I'm delighted to introduce the co-creator of Blade Maidens, soon to be released with Dark Horse Comics, and writer of the, the new action romance, Ladies in Love, Godzilla Valentine's Day special from IDW Publishing, Zoe Tunnell, welcome and thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. All right. Well, this interview is a little more happenstance than my usual ones. I think my co-creator, you know, Jimmy Gasparro, threw out one of his, anyone promoting comic tweets, you know, like, and we connected through that. I love new me- meeting new people in the medium. And when I saw Fellhound was doing a pinup cover for it, uh-huh. and I've never covered a Valentine's Day project. And Godzilla's in the story. I knew we needed to chat about it. So this uh, this one-shot love story, like all stories, begins in kind of an unlikely way. So to set the stage, you've got an office worker in a dead-end job who embarks on a pretty radical career change. I guess that's putting it lightly. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's definitely, it's a little bit of a shift. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. Yeah. So they're becoming an amateur kaiju researcher and is chased all mm-hmm. over the globe by a lieutenant in the global kaiju response team. Is that about yes. sum it up correctly? Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got Piper Simmons, who is the, um, she's the office worker turned crowdfunded kaiju journalist. Uh, and uh, Lieutenant Tam Sauveter, who they are uh, a lieutenant with the Earth Defense Force. Um, and yeah, they are, are um uh, I don't want to say enemies to lovers because I don't think they get quite into the like bitter hatred that enemies get, but rivals to lovers for sure. Okay. So yeah. how did this project come to be? So um, it, it feels like a work for hire kind of thing. Yes, um, um, yeah. it absolutely was. Um, David Marriott, who is no longer with IDW, he just okay. recently announced his move to Boom, um, which, hey, love that he was fantastic to work with and i hope he uh does great over at boom um just reached out we've been mutuals for a while um and they had an opening in the godzilla schedule um and just thought hey we have an opening around valentine's day um i think a valentine's day one shot could be really fun do you have any ideas for this would you want to do it uh and i am a die hard godzilla fan um i have been I remember renting VHS tapes from Blockbuster. I remember buying like whatever DVDs I could way back on Amazon before Amazon was the monolith it is now. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so the idea of writing a Godzilla story was genuinely like an immediate yes. Um, but then getting the green light to make it um, a beautiful, fun uh, little queer romance was really just a dream come true. So when they were approaching you about this and mm-hmm. Kaiju's Godzilla, right? So what mm-hmm. what about that jumped out and said, hey, this makes for a great love story? Because th- these are not normally things you might associate. Well, the original idea that David approached me with um, was a play on, there's this, I'm not sure if they still have an active membership, but there was at one point a uh, fan club in Japan of women who love Godzilla called the women who love Godzilla uh, fan club. Uh, And yeah, little, you know, sometimes you don't have to be subtle. Um, And uh, it was, it it was like a playfully, like 
they're they they're more into Godzilla than um, than men or like, you know, like, you know, most of the men in their office or whatever. Um, but it, it was a fun idea. And he approached me with that. And I briefly thought about just kind of running with that. But the I was just juggling, like trying to see how can we make a romance work? Because we obviously. As much as everyone in my replies has said, like, you know, why isn't Godzilla dating someone? When are Godzilla <laughs> and Mothra going to go on a date? Um, Godzilla does not do romance. Godzilla is uh, uh, is an ancient force of nature. Um, but thinking of the forces around them, um, I just, the idea of the requisite kind of vaguely paramilitary organization that's always around when Godzilla is. Sometimes it's the EDF, sometimes it's G-Force. Um, but a member of that butting heads with someone who just loves Godzilla, which is a little similar to some other movies like Godzilla 2000 has a somewhat similar plot. Um, but uh, it just seemed like a lot of fun. And once I got into the issue, um, it it was a breeze to write. I think um, I think I, the span of getting offered it, writing an outline, um, sending it, getting approval from David and Toho took about four days. That's so fast. Yeah. Um, so I, I felt pretty happy about it and like ready to jump in. So what kind of creative control did they give you about, you know, kind of what Kaiju were to be featured in it or um, I got a blank slate, honestly, um, oh, nice. as far okay. as as far as what kaiju I wanted to include. Yeah. Um, the only rule was it has to be Toho. Um, like, I'm I'm not sure if this is like a secret. I don't think it is. But the only rule I was given was it has to be Toho. So the modern day, like legendary uh, MonsterVerse movies, which I have fun with. I like those movies, but they're a whole different legal rights ballgame. Right. Um, uh, and it had to be a consistent era. So, um, you know, there, there's the different, there's the Showa era, there's the Heisei era, there's the Millennia era, and I believe we're in the Rewa era now. Um, but, uh, so if you wanted to do um, a Showa era Godzilla, the monsters all have to be Showa era. Okay. I went with Heisei because that's my favorite era. That's the one that I kind of grew up on. Yeah. Um, and I got to cheat a little bit because some monsters didn't have Heisei versions. So like Anguirus is in there. Anguirus is my favorite kaiju. I made a pro I promised myself. I was like, if I ever get to do a Godzilla thing, I'm putting Anguirus in there. Um, so he snuck in with his Showa version because eh, he didn't have one. Um, but overall, it was a pretty blank slate of use whatever choice you want. Um, they'll the, Toho corrected a few times. Um uh, because there's official terminology for Godzilla's anatomy, such as his dorsal spines or his okay. heat ray. Um, and I wasn't aware of this, so I got, you know, gentle corrections. But other than that, it was a very smooth process. Like, there, no no guidance or restrictions, really. Okay. Yeah, that's fascinating. I had no yeah. idea that the dorsal spines had a specific name. Mm -hmm. I, I did neither until I wrote this issue. <laughs> Well, I was really impressed that you managed to compress a really engaging, globe-trotting even story that spans several years and, you know, many a kaiju battle into just 28 pages, especially when uh, sequencing... I think. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. so I was wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like, and you're sequencing several Godzilla throwdowns to boot in mm -hmm. it. So, was that daunting? I know sometimes, you know, you have a tighter restriction 
um, that's easier than working with like four or five years even, you know, have so much space. It was it was tricky here and there. I had to cut a few sequences. Um, the, um, the there was a sequence of Baragon in London because Baragon's another one I like um, that I had to cut, which was a little bit of a bummer. But to both let the issue flow because there is so many time skips and like different encounters, uh, that maintaining a forward momentum was really important. Okay. Um and um. The the biggest one that I was worried about, the, there's a so it, it was initially a um, double page spread, but due to unfortunate realities of um, comic manufacturing, it got turned into a page turn. But luckily, the the layout we chose um, works as a page turn, so you know not as big deal. Yeah. Um, where uh, there are four columns, uh, each one has a kaiju above it. Uh, and they are four distinct encounters over the course of years between Tam and Piper. Uh, and that one was, I think, key to setting the pace. It was like, okay, these can all be just four panels. Like, just tell just enough of the encounter to get what's important about it across um, and move on. Because we don't have the space to kind of bask in them. Um, and I was worried. I drew up a little terrible MS Paint chart. Um, for uh, originally the original artist was Danny Pendergast, who is wonderful. Um, she did our cover um, and the initial designs for uh, Tam and Piper. Um, but she had to step away, um, which is, you know, it happens. And yeah. um, uh, and uh, Sebastian Perez, oh, Sebastian, please. Uh, tell you you tackled it before I did. So thank you. <laughs> um, uh, he stepped on and just knocked it out of the park. It's a gorgeous issue. And um, seeing him tackle it, and he actually reached out after we talked, and he was like, I loved that splash. It worked beautifully. I never would have thought to do it that way. Um, so just seeing the cramming all of that in and finding little ways to make it go flow and fit and not feel rushed or like the pacing off was less tricky and more just exciting for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've followed Sebastian's work on Twitter for oh, yeah. years. Absolutely love it. Just great. Same. Stuff. I I have when David told me he was stepping in, I was like, oh my god, I love his work. This Go is on. a dream come true. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, in terms of queer representation, this feels like a a pretty big step to me. Um, you know, Godzilla is an old character, and and being able to add kind of a sapphic romance to the larger canon of his legacy is is pretty awesome. You know, for a character that dates back with that, that's like what nineteen fifty four. So we're talking about like yep, seventy years or so. Yeah. yeah. Did you have I that? This is this is yeah. This is the seventieth anniversary this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking. So did you have like a geek out moment as a fan where, whoa, they're actually going to let me do this? That's cool. Oh, extremely. I. It was one of the first questions I asked. I was like, look, I I understand if I'm not able to. I understand the realities of corporate storytelling. Um, right. But I would love to make this queer, if possible, and immediately got a green light, um, which That's is awesome. beautiful. Um, I do want to shout out, um, because while I love our story, and I think it's probably the first romance-focused queer story in in IDW's Godzilla stories, there are plenty of other queer um, creators who have included like non-binary characters, sapphic characters, um, in the past, I would say, decade or so. Okay. Um, uh, my friend Nola Fowl, 
um, and Megan Huang uh, did a one shot just the other month, Jet Jaguar versus Megalon. Um, I don't believe there was queer rep in the story, but Nola is also trans. Um, so it, it's there. There have been other cases, but um, I, I it's less like, wow, I broke new ground and more like I'm glad I get to keep this going. Like it feels yeah. very special to make this not a like one off thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a beautiful trend that we're we're starting to experience mm-hmm. in in comics. I, I mean, especially lately, it feels like the last oh, few yeah. years are it's really really blown up. Well, I was gonna. It's this is my nosy question. So, um, when you were scripting things, did the lieutenant have to be French? You know, it it, it was a it's a beautiful sounding last name. French is a sexy language. I gotta admit that. But she <laughs> could. I'm just curious about that because you could have picked anywhere on the globe, literally. Um, no, I, I had free reign. I wanted to make it multicultural, um, because, uh, it's a globetrotting story. It w- if it were two white American people, that would feel weird given the global mm-hmm. nature. Um, so I was trying to think of, um, just, I was looking at names cause, um, cause Sauveterre, Hey, if someone speaks fluent French and tells me I'm wrong, sorry, I, I don't. And I tried to research. I believe it means something similar to like Earth Guardian. And I was like, oh, beautiful. Um, but uh uh Sauveterre is French Vietnamese. Um they and all of all of their um squad um has their uh national flags of origin on their uh their like breast of their armor. Okay. Uh, because I I included that because there's no real easy way to say that like Oh, um, Carlos is from Mexico. Like, you know, there, there's no, like, to get work that in. So I was like, at least give them, like, we can show that they have, like, this is a multicultural unit. This is a cast from across the globe. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it wasn't mandated. It wasn't something that was asked of me. It just felt appropriate. Okay. Yeah. Most of the time, I'm pretty good on picking up on those details, but I totally missed that. It's, it's itty bit. It's small, but like, it's there if you want to look for it. Yeah, I'll go back and reread and, and check that out. Well, rarely do I ask this question because I think it's a little cliched for creator-owned work, but considering it's more of a work for hire, you know, what are you hoping sticks out the most for someone who's considering picking this up? Aside from Godzilla, cool Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, I hope, I hope it's satisfying. Um, I, I love one shots. Um, a a well-constructed one-shot that gets in, gets out, tells a complete story and doesn't feel like it's rushed or like you get to the end and it's like, I wish there was just a little bit more. I feel like the story didn't quite land. Um, Which is tricky. Writing a one-shot is very, very tricky. Um, But I, I, that's what I, I, I feel like we told a very satisfying, entertaining, um, like arc. Like it, 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 has both of them start in one place and by the end of it they're in a very different place uh and i hope that journey feels well earned yeah i i thought it was great i mean i i gotta admit one shots are typically not my thing um just because i am left wanting quite a bit you know and in this case i guess i was left wanting but that's just merely because i wanted more um well thank you yeah yeah it, it was really well done um well, I want to learn a little more, more about you since this is the first time we've got a chance to chat. So how did you find your way into writing comics in the first place? Oh, well, um, I used to, well, I've always been, um, I, I, I've always 
comics have always been in my life. Um, at least since I was like 12, 13. Um, I got into comics via the Ultimate Universe. Um, okay. Yeah, I um, I started reading Ultimate Universe trades at my local Borders, which immediately ages me. Um, and uh, just kind of never really stopped. Um, read, you know, did the Marvel and DC die hard, like, you know, teenage years, expanded out from there. Um, and um, around 2020-ish, like during the height of the, the pre-vaccine uh, days of COVID, sure. um, I got into comics, um, criticism, and essay writing. I wrote for a few different sites, uh, Wawat, um, Comics XF, um, a few different. And um, it helped me, it helped me gain a different perspective on the medium both in a in a good way and also a um having a harsh realization about like two years in like oh i need to reassess how i'm approaching these comics like when i'm covering them when i'm writing about them um and that actually that reassessment made me step away because i was like i actually don't i i don't think i am getting the same thing out of like reviewing a weekly comic or doing an essay as i was two years ago um, and then from there, um, I had already started Valentine and I were friends at that point, Valentine M. Smith, my co-creator on Blade Maidens. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had talked about, we had done a few little X-Men fan comics, uh, together and we were like, well, do we want to just try and do our own thing? And when, by then we were already brainstorming Blade Maidens. Um, and we just kept writing from there and, um, it turns out a lot more creatively fulfilling to, uh, make the comics, at least for me. I know there's. That's not to dismiss um, comics criticism or essay. There's some incredible writers who could do both of those much better than I ever could. Um, and it's just, my, it turns out for me personally, I enjoyed making them more than I enjoyed analyzing them. Yeah. I mean, I like the analytical aspect of it. Yeah. I don't, don't so much prefer the... Um the reviewing or i i can't that's why i got into interviews and stuff because i don't like beating anything down if i don't like it yeah i just won't talk about it you know that was the the weekly grind of a review of like oh i have to fill my review quota this week and there's not a book i really dig on the table here i guess i gotta review something that i don't really like was draining um and I, de- I definitely have tried to be a lot more generous, both to knowing how hard it is to make comics, yeah. um, to to comics um, themselves, and also just like, hey, if I don't like a comic, it, I don't have to. Not not everything's for me. Yeah. Um, as long as no one's being hurt by it, it who cares? Yeah. 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 It's amazing how many people I've talked to recently, um, even people who are writing, you know, big big two books um mm-hmm. you know steve fox and and david Pepos yeah. bo- both came from a comics journalism sort of start so uh it's the pathway that nobody expects i guess yeah um, it's it's a weird road to get here so what were some of your biggest influences in comics then um honestly one of my biggest it's such a weird like pull but something that I always look at as like, oh, this is like exactly what I want to get, like like the story I want to tell, the vibe. Um, there's a, and it's weird because it's fairly recent, so it, it feels weird to have like a like cornerstone 
Sure. Um, there's a there's an image series that came out. Um, I think like between the years of like 2018 and 2020-ish. Um, Crowded by uh, Chris Sabella, uh, Ted Brandt, Rose Stein. Um, uh, I'm now I'm friends with Ted Brandt, and they're gonna they're gonna be like, thank you for the kind words. Stop talking about Crowded so much. <laughs> um, but uh, that book is such a good like moves at a blistering pace. The art is beautiful and emotive. It's hilarious while still having like a punch to it. Um, and just reading that, I remember I remember being like, this is like, this is what I want to read. This is what I want to write. Um, and it's always been writers like that. Like John Rogers is another writer that like everything he writes is the exact balance of like snappy dialogue, moves at a good clip, always never loses sight of the characters in the heart. Um, and so it's it's always stuff like that that sticks with me. Um, and it's always the art, the artists that usually find those stories and help uplift them where like where you get the your um oh god, how am I blanking? Um <laughs> give me two seconds. Oh yeah, go for I it. I feel I feel terrible blanking on this. Um Steve Lieber. There, there you go. Okay. Um yeah, Steve Lieber, like like Jimmy Olsen, like the 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 artists that know the importance of acting um, and like timing and how tricky, like not just a comedy beat, but like an emotional beat. Um, and so it's always been those, it's less like the big epics or the like punch fests or anything, which I like those. I, I have an iron fist tattoo. Like I'm not, I'm not above like a good old fashioned punchy superhero comic, but it's always been the ones that try and flow and have a different rhythm to them. Yeah, I I totally get that. Like one of one of my favorites for a long time, and I always preach about this one is Hillbilly, Eric Powell's Hillbilly. Yeah, um, yes. So like, who knew that I would connect to the Arthurian, you know, Southern Appalachia comic book? But hey, um, such as as it is, we find our influences where we find them. Yeah, you never know what's going to stick with you. All right, let's take a quick break. What in the Sam Hill is happening right now? What is that? Yeah, what evil? You like bards? Yeah, what evil? Oh, you like band of bards. It's not my fault, you mumble. That makes sense. They're dropping some great new series right now. There's that one about a heavy metal guitarist in the 1970s with monsters, working class wizards. You know how we love monsters around here. And my friend Dakota Brown, he's working on a project, uh, Grandma Tilly's Hell Tech Mech with Lane Lloyd. I saw the preview for that. That is crazy. Jimmy even contributed to their anthology from the static and had Matt Sumo on the podcast to talk about his project, The Bardic Verses, which makes a lot of sense that the project landed there. Where can you find them? You need to get out more. They are in previews or you can visit their website, bandabars.com for all the latest. Can we turn the music off now? Thank you. No more surprises. Minstrels or anything like that, or I'll rent you out to the Ren Fair as a children's ride. Let's get back to the show. Well, with Blade Maidens, um, coming out with Dark Horse. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how that happened. So you're pitching this for a while. It's more of a COVID project. Yeah, well, so Valentine and I originally that we we weren't we weren't making it with the intent to get picked up. Um, okay. We were making it because we wanted to tell our story. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it launched as a webcomic in October of 2020, I believe. Um, like, like, tay, very tail end. Um, and uh, we just, it's our own website. Um, we didn't have any editors. Like, it was, it was us telling the story we wanted to tell. And that story is a rowdy, queer, um, like, punk rock fantasy. Uh, and we kept going. We were partway through story two when um, I have to credit Alex DeCampi um, with reaching out. Um, she's been a supporter of Bladen's um, since we started and also like uh, has helped me on a professional level quite a few times, just like giving advice. But um, she reached out and she was like, hey, Blade Bane's is great. You're, y'all are making a comic that should be published somewhere. Do you want to, like, I can get you in touch with some people. Um, and we we reached out to a few publishers, and the one that immediately got back to us was uh, Dark Horse. And okay. Connor Knudsen over at Dark Horse, they are our editor. Um, they are an angel, absolute dream to work with. Um, but they also were like, I was actually planning on getting in touch with you two in the next, like, few months. So, ended up working out beautifully. Um, but yeah, it it just kind of felt natural. Um, we didn't really change any plans. It's just a collection. We were already planning to tell the story in kind of six story like chunks. Okay. Where a goal with Blade Mains is every story stands on its own. So you can just read a Blade Main story and it'll tell a complete beginning to end tale, but they all tie into an overarching narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, and those narratives we try to keep to over like six issues, it'll complete an arc. Next six issues have a whole arc. Um, and so we were already planning on doing that. And Connor said, well, why don't we just collect the first art, see how it does. Um, and we thought that was a great idea. Um, we still don't, to be clear, we don't have a date yet. Um, cause we're still, okay. we're, we're a bit of an odd duck in that we are an ongoing, currently being made web comic. Uh, usually webcomic deals happen after the comics are done. Um, right. so we're in progress one page a week. Um, so we don't have um, a a date to announce quite yet, but we um, we're definitely talking to Connor often um, and are excited when we would do have more news on that. Okay, yeah, I I, I read through it. Um, brief synopsis, my synopsis of it. You you've got two ladies in love. I think this is a trend. Uh, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I, I, I don't mean to be a little typecast with my writing. I promise I can write stories that aren't uh, sapphic romance. But um, but it feels good that people are looking for more stories in that vein. Um, oh, yeah. As as a trans lesbian, having people wanting to uh, to read stories about a trans lesbian feels pretty good. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm sure. And, and it's got such a vibe to it, right? So I may pronounce yeah. the characters' names wrong, but is it Sir or Sarah? Yeah, it's Sir. It's Sir. Sir. Okay. Yeah. So you have Sir and Rowan. One's a sellsword. The other's a runaway princess with an affinity for magic, and they're mm-hmm. navigating the world of Telos, Telos, which Telos, Telos. Okay, in search of their next payday. Um, it's as I said, super stylized visual, visual presentation that felt very pulpy to me, like the artwork. Yeah. Reminded me a whole lot of like first edition Dungeons and Dragons, like Fiend Folio era kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's definitely one of the one of the vibes we're shooting for. Okay, yeah, because the the color work, it's not like that at all. It's outstanding though. It's got uh, like black light vibes for for it's 
what one thing Valentine. So um, Valentine and I co-create everything. Um, Valentine co-plots with me. I write the script. Then we edit the script together. Um, they send me pages in progress. I give notes like, hey, can we tweak X, Y, or Z? Fully collaborative. Um, but one thing Valentine said from the very beginning was, I don't want this to look like every other fantasy story. Where, it like, does not. The, 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 I love a lot of fantasy stories, modern fantasy stories. The, the Hunger in the Dusk is one of my favorite comics coming out right now. I love that book. Um, but a lot of it has shares in very similar aesthetics. Lots of browns, lots of greens, lots of like dull silver armor. Um, and Bla- it was important with us that Blade Maidens, um, especially Valentine, but I wholeheartedly agreed that um, it, Blade Maidens stand out from the pack. Yeah, it, it already has, let's see, an aged feel to it. Not like in, you know, obviously the gutters and stuff are a different color than white. Okay, yeah. so that that definitely has that. But I mean, I, I'm I'm having trouble. It's not, I mean, it may be 60s almost like colorization stuff because they're, it's so primal um, mm-hmm. in, in the way that Valentine is coloring stuff. So I was really sucked in and, you know, like you, I love the fantasy stuff. It's probably my favorite genre, but a lot of it can get visually repetitive. So, yeah. 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 So, it, so this um, was stand out. Well, thank you. Yeah. We're it, the colors are like, I never know what color combo Valentine is going to throw at me. Um, until I get the page and I'm always just like, how does your brain get there? Like, it looks beautiful. It's always great. But how do you like when, uh, when they sent me the cover for, um, our next story that we're going to be starting, um, I think early next month, uh, closed fist, open hand is our fourth story. Um, like doing this big cover that introduces our new, um, our fourth member of the blades, which is the mercenary group that sir and Rowan initially, they are the blade mains they start getting hangers on and party members and eventually just become the blades. Um, but uh, the, our fourth main cast member, Eldridge Miller, it's like a heroic, like when I saw the inks, I was like, cool. Yeah. It's got LD up front, the rest of them in the back. And then like our villains looming in the shadows. Great, beautiful. And then they throw it and it's like, like bright, bold, dark purple and neon greens and, and LDs like, like brown skin tone with like crackling magic and it's so stunning and gorgeous and i'm like i don't know in the best way possible i don't know how your brain works and i it's incredible yeah somebody who's essentially an amateur color comics colorist as as i am working on becoming and getting rid of the amateur tag um looking at those color combinations and i have taught color theory before Mm -hmm. like two people and i'm looking at this and i was like these these shouldn't work, but they and yet, do. Yeah. 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 That's, so that's really... Valentine M. Smith. They, they are a, I don't know what dark magic they did to, to get this gift, but they've got it. So is there anything we always like comparisons? So is there anything yeah. that you felt like gave you fuel, gave you juice into kind of towards, okay, now I want to take on the, the genre that everybody takes on. We want to do it uniquely, but cause it, there's like a rat queens sort of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely got that like rowdy kind of like a little bit more modern than like, it's got, it's a fantasy world, but the, like the dialogue isn't full. Like, Oh, these sound like you, you know, you go out on the street and these are people who like, you know, but 
we definitely are trying to blend a little bit more like, you know, harder modern edge into things. Um, honestly, one of my, one of my touch points, um, which always feels so weird to say, cause it's so far removed, but, um, I, in, uh, my high school days was obsessed with Warhammer. Um, still, okay. still love, still like Warhammer, but I read every single novel in the series, Go Trek and Felix probably mispronouncing go trek i've never heard it said out loud um but it was the story of a human bard type scoundrel uh and his surly uh dwarven berserker companion getting thrown all across the globe in different conflicts and everything um and just i i loved the idea because this initially started as just sir and rowan and we were going to it was going to be like a buddy story um, and then as Valentine and I kept brainstorming, we decided we wanted to bring in and just make it a tradition, like an adventuring party. Okay. Um, and then um, a lot of the influence kind of comes from non, um, not, like not like written narrative. It's um, I watch a lot of like Dimension 20 um, and uh, I've got, in the past year I've gotten into Critical Role, but seeing how they blend modern sensibilities of like humor or or speech or like you know modern outlooks on things such as gender um but still telling these very familiar fantasy tales um although they're completely improv and it's bonkers i don't know how they do that um seeing that and being like there's an appetite for this and like mm -hmm. i i have an appetite for this so I would want to read more comics like this. I would want this energy in my life. Um, and when we decided to tell, like, you know, well, what if the runaway princess is trans? What if the knight that saves her is a butch kind of gender shrug? Um, and just, like, kind of running with the ball from there. And now we've got, we have a Mel, who's our, uh, our uh, barbarian werewolf. Um, We've got Eldritch, who is a scrappy little trans mask monk. Um, and just being able to be like, hey, you know, all these fantasy, like, you know, archetypes and, and stories that you love so much. What if they were rowdy and 150% more queer? Would, yeah. Like, how do you, do you want, do you want that? And so far people do. Yeah. But which brings me to like, I feel like there's a push sometimes and I could mm -hmm. be way off. This is my own interpretation. but especially with with trans writers this push to write the authentic authentic trans character as opposed to writing an authentic trans character if that makes sense it's it's weird um because there was no push with this one um because because it, it's it's our story and rowan's experience does not reflect my experience um yeah it was it was important to me because rowan um our two big trans characters are rowan and eldridge um, there, there will be others in the future. We, we have stories planned out quite a ways. Um, but, uh, there are two big ones. I won't get into Eldridge's much because his story, he hasn't even, uh, like, he just showed up. So, you know, readers, read, uh, read and yeah, you'll, you'll yeah. get his story. But Rowan, one thing I didn't, I very intentionally didn't want to do, and I think this is part of that push you're talking about, where, um, so many of our stories are centered around trauma um, because 
that's that's a huge part in a, of a lot of our lives. Um, yeah. And so you'll you'll often get um, there's some there, there are great stories. One of my favorite comics the last few years is um, Cheer Up, Love and Pom Poms by um, Crystal Frazier and Val Wise. Uh, and that's a story that deals with trans trauma, but it I, I still love it to death. And it's incredibly beautifully told. Um, and I didn't want to do the same trauma of like being misgendered or being being viewed as not actually a woman or something like, you know, the, any of the thousand. Um, so Rowan's Rowan's story being that her parents accepted her in a heartbeat um, as their new daughter. However, in the matrilineal society of Verdana, uh, she now is a princess who has to attend to courtly affairs, who has to, um, who has to, you know, take, have manners and, and live a far more structured, controlling life. When she wants to go climb a tree or go travel the world and learn different schools of magic. Um, and, having her trauma just be that she's a woman, but her parents want her to be a very specific kind of woman. And she doesn't yeah. want that. Um, so it, it was weird. Cause the, there was a push in the sense that I didn't want to do well-trod ground. Um, and I feel like that's a lot of the stories that trans writers are often, when we are given a chance to tell those stories, that's what, Sometimes publishers think that that's the story that has to be told. And I'm hoping it, if nothing else, I hope Blade Maidens helps people realize that there's so many other stories we've got. Exactly. Exactly. So right now we've got three total issues up. Yes. You had said that the fourth is pending. Fourth is, is it, we, we have one more page of, we, we like to do little short stories in between each main chapter. Yep. Um, we have the final page of our um, current short story, Latchkey. Uh, and then uh, after that, uh, Close Fist, Open Hand will start. Okay, yeah. And then this is always a beef of mine because I've noticed this trend in, in web comics, especially people who are, who are doing it on their own website, mm -hmm. where you guys have stuff at the bottom. Um, yes. Different things every time, right? Um, yeah. But that never gets included in a collected volume. And I so hope, Dark Horse might let you do that. Uh, I can't confirm anything, but we've had discussions. Okay, um, cool. There, there will be that that material. There will be at least some of that material in some form. Um, it's something we've talked about. It's something we wanted to do. I I write all of those. Uh, Val actually no, I, uh, Valentine wrote two of them. Um, there's one story in between um, story two and story three. The Valentine scripted, plotted, did everything for, and also wrote the blurbs for. Um, it's a great story. Um, but uh, I write those, so I'm very proud of them. And I was like, eh, I would love to include these. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're a little bit of me having some of the fun of uh, like a good tabletop RPG source book. Like, hey, here's a journal from a, here, here's a journal entry from a book in this universe. Here's a, like, you know, here's a letter from centuries past that kind of vaguely ties into the page you're reading. Um, so yeah, it, it was important. I, I can't confirm how many or in what capacity, but there will be a presence in that collected volume. Okay. Yeah. Because for me, that's the lore of the world yeah, you're, but, you're creating. Right. But you can't put that in all the exposition of the actual comic book. Yeah. Cause that don't work. 
we um we we've had we have some interesting ideas of how to how to make it feel like a tangible part of the world um but yeah it's it's tricky because we do a lot of our world building there just because it's such a it's a fun way to do it but it's also um helps ensure we don't have uh constant exposition dumps in the page that's yeah as much as I love a good fantasy book that's like in ages of long past, the King Tethris of blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's like, hey, I love a good fantasy book that lore dumps. It doesn't work so well for comics because um, you you put 25 uh, text bubbles on a page. That page is going to feel painful to read through. A hundred percent. So. That's prose. Is that something you would also want to write in the future? Or is there a balance between comics and prose that you're interested in? I, I, I'm interested in prose is tricky for me. Comics comes very naturally. Um, okay. Writing a comic script is, um, I mean, it's, it's challenging, like to make sure you do it right, but it, it flows very easily from me. Like I prose, um, I feel like I'm pulling teeth. I still enjoy it. It's still, it's so, but boy, is it a lot harder. <laughs> Um, for me, um, so these sorts of like universe lore type deal. Sorry, um, I just drank a whole bunch of water. Um, You're good. This type of like universe lore, like, you know, in world journals, etc. Uh, those are, are I'm I have a pretty good time with. And hey, if someone wanted to uh, grab me to write a bunch of tabletop, like, you know, hey, here's the here's the lore for this country and blah, blah. I would jump at the chance. That would be a delight. But um, I don't have any plans as of right now, but it's definitely in the back of my mind. Okay. Well, what else you got cooking? We've got Blade Maidens and, and the Godzilla Valentine's Day. I'm going to say it's a given, maybe. Well, okay, we don't want to typecast you. That have that Ladies in Love is, <laughs> is what you do really well. But you you have done it very well from what I have read. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah I, I look, I'll always love to write um, a romance story. It's... It's funny, I wasn't into romance as a genre um, until, A, I transitioned. Um, okay, and that's B, interesting. Yeah, um, it turns out um, when you feel better about yourself and feel more comfortable loving other people in the sense that, like, oh, it's not creepy that I love someone this way. Um, uh, it, it makes reading romance a lot easier um but it's also um my um my partner um bex and i we've been together for almost two years now but um being with them has also made me <laughs> much better at writing romance because like oh i get it this is a healthy relationship um i get it now i understand um but yeah i i love writing romance i would happily write romance if if more people want that but uh i i do more than that um i've got a few pitches that um uh i'm working on with a few artists um okay. that hopefully um you know fingers crossed uh we can get someone to to bite on um i don't have any other projects like as far as for hire work i would love to um so hey publishers if you're listening <laughs> um i hit your girl up please um but uh yeah i i've got a few pitches i don't want to say too much about them um i yeah but um, used to I, that. yeah with some incredible artists um i i'll say at least um 
Uh, I'm working on one with Val Wise and Frank. Uh oh, I just realized I haven't said their name out loud before. Uh, Shetkovic. I hope so, Frank. Um, okay. uh, I've got another I'm doing with uh, Tango, another I'm doing with uh, Megan Huang. They're all incredible artists, and I feel so lucky that they, they have, they're interested in the stories that I rotated in my brain. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's really all I, that's all I've got right now. I wish I had more, but who knows? Let's see what 2024 brings me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you hooked up with dark horse. That's a huge step for sure. It really is. Um, I feel, I still feel insane that, um, it happened because I, I feel like that it's usually not, Hey, um, you want your first comic, uh, uh, contract. You get a you get a collected trade volume with Dark Horse Comics. Congrats! Like, yep. I I feel incredibly lucky, um, and uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm trying to make the most of the opportunity and want to make sure that it's not all that I get to do. I would love to continue to work for more publishers. Well, I'm glad you found your way to romance. It is one of those things where I always feel like, as somebody on the spectrum, I feel like sort of an alien trying to. Um, digest what what the other human people are experiencing so it's always always interesting to talk to people about romance projects and stuff because i have a completely different lens i feel like than than a lot of people so yeah that's uh, honestly hearing how other people experience romance or don't um i i'm i've got like you know a few different aro ace um friends and hearing how wildly different and varied romance can be or just not be across um like you know everyone's different lives it is it's one of those things that makes it so fascinating to think about um for me because every every relationship is so different you're Mm -hmm. you're just like well what what's the like if i'm writing a story i don't want it to feel like every other romance what's what's different about this romance yeah, and, and that was one of the refreshing aspects about Godzilla because it wasn't direct. Um, don't want to give everything away, but they they didn't find each other through the typical. This was not nightclub meeting together, clumsy. No. This took time and was unexpected. I think is is safe to say. Yeah, it was. Um, it was unexpected. Um, both. I don't think either of them expected it. Um, to begin with, but also uh, there's a moment near the end of the issue uh, where some feelings are expressed that maybe one of them weren't we're expecting something else Um, and it's uh, a very fun moment that I'm glad we got to include. Well, last time I checked, the drop date was supposed to be February 7th. Is that still the plan? Still, as far as I'm aware, that is still our release date. Awesome. Well, everyone, I hope you're on the lookout for it. I hope we've done a good job of convincing you to pick this up. I, I thought it was really good. Um, I didn't know what to expect from a, a Godzilla Valentine's Day special, and so I didn't have a strong preconceived notion going in, but but I thought it was was really delightful. Just a tight, you. tight, well-written, um, you know, illustrated very, very well by Sebastian. So, yeah, yeah I hope God. everybody gives it a and shot. I- I actually want to shout out just because I've only mentioned Sebastian um, colors. The beautiful colors are Rebecca Nalty. Okay. Um, and the letters, I never actually spoke with her. So I want to make sure I get her last name, right. 
Um, but the letters, which are fantastic, I, I, there's some lettering flourishes that I did not include, um, in the, um, in the original script. Um, and I was, so I was like, of course, that's so much more beautiful than I would have thought of. Thank you. Uh, her name is Johanna Knapp. Um, okay. and then David Marriott editor, um, who is now over at boom, but he was an absolute delight to work with, um, and made this, uh, about as ideal of a like first for hire work experience as I think I could have possibly hoped for. Well, those those good letterers uh, will come in and they will they'll give you the little visual blessings that you didn't anticipate, yeah. and you're just yep. like, oh yes, you read my head. Thank you. There was there's actually one that Sebastian hand lettered something that I didn't during that spread that I mentioned where there's the four columns and each one has a kaiju. Mm -hmm. uh, Sebastian went and looked up the. Uh, um, uh, katakana for each kaiju um, okay. and put it in, which I did not ask to do in the script. Uh, he just thought it would be a cool idea. And turns out he was right. It looks fantastic. Well, everybody make sure to check it out. Uh, coming out in early February, right before Valentine's Day. So, Yeah. Uh, and I I hope y'all enjoy it. It's It's a very special little comic to me. Well, where can people find you online or where would you like them to find you online? Because uh, social media well, is a dumpster fire. Yeah, it's rough. Um, I, I'm on Twitter, technically, still at Blankzilla. Um, I don't use it much nowadays. So, um, eh, good luck. Yeah. Um, that it feels like that's like everyone's view on Twitter right now, which is the Pretty correct much. view. Um, yeah. uh, I'm on Blue Sky. Um, which I like, which I have a much higher opinion of. If Blue Sky added DMs, I'd probably be on Twitter a lot less. Um, but uh, I'm on Blue Sky with at Zoe with a sword. Um, and then you can also check out my website. Um, it's zoetanel.com. It's got all my work, contact info, et cetera. Um, and yeah, that's about it. And while they're waiting uh, on the, the collected volume from Dark Horse, oh, they yeah, can go. Oh, yeah, of course. Duh. <laughs> Thank That's you my job. That. That's my job. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. Uh, com. Our entire comic is available there to read. We have new pages on Thursdays. Um, and I can't say the comic will always be free to read on our website. Um, we will have, you know, printed collections. If you like me love to have physical media, but, um, but if you ever want to read blade Bane's, it's free, go to our website. If you like it, buy some prints off of the store or something, but it's, um, having it be accessible and free for folks was really important for us. Well, I want Valentine to have more work, so please go support God, Zoe yeah. and, and Valentine. It's yes. amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. There. I, I have, I have a dozen different Valentine prints, um, uh, in, on my walls. So, uh, you too can have a dozen different Valentine prints on your walls and they will look gorgeous. There you go. You pitched them. Good job. <laughs> well, Zoe, thanks so much for coming on the show and hanging out with me today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. 100%. Well, this is Byron O'Neill. And on behalf of all of us at Comic Book Yeti, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. This is Byron O'Neill, one of your hosts of the Cryptid Creator Corner, brought to you by Comic Book Yeti. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. It lets us know how we're doing and, more importantly, how we can improve. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cryptid Creator Corner, maybe you would enjoy our sister podcast, Into the Comics Cave. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.